And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is, I, I thought about this as I was sitting down. It is, uh, it is such a gift. I know this is going to sound cheesy. I don't care. It is a gift just to get to sit down and do this with y'all every day. Thinking about the, the rhythm, routine, the pattern of sitting down and talking about the issues together, um, it's just great. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to do this. And uh, that's how I'm going to say hello, Matt Neely, and to all of our listeners on this uh, happy hump day. Uh, that is our Wednesday edition of the show. Good morning to you, Matt. How are you? We're cresting that hill, Zach. It's a, it's a great day. Good morning. <laughs> We were careening towards Easter weekend. There you go. <laughs> I can't even say the word careening without laughing because that's a Matt Neely special. I don't know, but if, uh, I don't know if eggs. Saying it. I don't know if eggs and peeps are in short supply, but uh, we're we're going to find out real quick. We are going to find out uh, real quick if there is a supply chain issue with eggs and peeps. We're going to find out in just a matter in a matter of days. Uh, but today we're going to have a much more serious conversation about the, what we're celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Locks, in that conversation in just a second. Uh, and then Supervisor Steve Christie uh, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about. It is, it, is a, it is a boring time in Pima County. There's just nothing to talk about. There's no big news, but I'm sure he and I will scare up something uh, uh, that's interesting. No, we're going to talk about what happened last week. Uh, around the retirement of, uh, of County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry. We continue to pray for his fast recovery, but we're going to talk about his contract at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> and then a piece of news that I haven't seen people talk about a lot, but it happened on Friday, uh, is the, is the uh, court proceedings between the city and the county on differential water rates. So I'm going to talk with him about some news there, and that's in the second half of the hour. But uh, I am excited to have Pastor Jeff Loxon with us live in studio uh, to talk about the the Easter Sunday we're about to celebrate. We've been leading up to it for the last, you know, what is it, 35 plus some days, Pastor, but always good to see you and welcome Yeah, good in. to see you. Good yeah. Friday, Easter Sunday. This is a busy, um, a fast-paced week, I it should is. say, in the faith community. It is, absolutely. And tomorrow is uh, some traditions celebrate Maundy yes. Thursday. Yes, yes. Uh, so maybe we start there. What was Easter weekend to you growing up, and how has your celebration of it changed, maybe, Pastor, from kid to young adults and now as a pastor of a church. Yeah, I was reading an article recently talking about how people are kind of trending away from being a part of uh, uh, Easter celebration, at least where where that intersects with the local church. And that was my experience mm -hmm. growing up. I remember very distinctly a park in Claremont, California, mm -hmm. where they just spread eggs out all over the grass. And it seemed like the grass was as far as the eye could see, especially for, for my little legs. And it was all about the competition and how much chocolate you could get. And uh, our family still to this date, uh, um, the family, I, my, my own family, uh, not, not the one that my wife and I have now, but my own family, they don't necessarily have that mm -hmm. uh, tradition of being a part of the local church. So we do get together in the afternoon, but, uh, you know, as I have not grown up in the church per se, it's been an interesting it's been an interesting shift to see what that culture is like in the church and, and how the community celebrates it. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. And I was going to ask you, because you mentioned on the show before, you didn't grow up in the church. You now pastor a church, Hope City Church, yeah. on the 22nd Street Corridor. Uh, and we're going to talk about what this means for especially those of the Christian faith specifically. Mm-hmm. However, uh, what's interesting that, about what you just said is that I remember growing up, uh, for even those who were kind of nom- nominally Christian, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they didn't go to church regularly, right. would show up for Easter, mm-hmm. Easter and Christmas. Mm-hmm. I mean, y- you showed up. Right. Um, and, you know, whether it was the cultural celebration you just mentioned or the service celebration, you showed up. And Easter and Christmas, but we're going to talk Easter, used to be a space where people who maybe weren't, uh, you know, wouldn't call themselves a Christian right. formally would would still uh, come and be a part of what the local church was mm-hmm. doing. And it seems like I'm hearing from you that all three categories are moving away from seeing Easter Sunday as this hard point on the calendar to participate in, t- to some extent. Yeah, someone uh, recently was sharing their experience from Europe. They have background there uh, with the church in Europe and was saying there it seems as though... Uh, uh, the faith community is dead. And the question that they asked, is that coming here to America? Of course, you and I have been having those discussions mm-hmm. all year long as we've looked at what the news has said and, and, and weighing that against what's the value of the local church. Um, for, for me, it's interesting. I wanted to, I was reflecting back on uh, the church that I was a part of in California was a college day church. And mm-hmm. so they did nothing conventionally. There would be a Sunday where they would erect, erect literally a boxing ring in the middle of the sanctuary to get the message, uh, the point of the message across. And so when it came to (laughs) Easter, can you imagine? So when it came to Easter Sunday, uh, they would reenact the the uh, crucifixion. And uh, as they would reenact that, I remember uh, just I was trying to figure out in my own life what it looked like to to have Jesus at the center of everything that I did. But I wanted that so badly for my own family. And on this particular um, reenactment, uh, we decided that we were not going to have any cheers. There wasn't going to be an audience. The audience was going to be the crowd. Uh, weighing in on this crucifixion, screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And so it it literally was, there's not chairs in the audience, there's people standing up. And I'm thinking, if my family comes, there is no way they're going to go through this entire thing standing up. They're going to bail as soon as they realize that there's no chairs. And maybe some of our listeners identify this, but being the control freak that I am, uh, we ended up putting a few chairs for the elderly, those that couldn't stand, And I sat in three different sections where there were just a few chairs trying to decide where it would be the best view of everything going on during that reenactment. And then not only that, but again, as a control freak, I didn't go to one person. I went to three separate people and said, when you see my family, help them find this particular seat so they can have the Mm -hmm. best view in the house. So the reason I'm telling you that is we went through this whole play. Uh, the crucifixion, all of that unfolds. And then after, when when I walked out for this play, I look across the, the audience and I see my family sitting in that seat that I had picked out for them. I went to the first person after the, after the play and I said, thank you for helping my family find the chair. And they said, I never saw your family. Went to the second person. Thank you for helping my family find their chairs. I didn't see your family. The third person also 
I didn't see your family. All three of them didn't. And the, the heavy feeling that I have, even as I share that with you now, was this affirmation from God, in my, my opinion, saying, Jeff, I'm looking out for your family. Don't sweat it. You can't control the things going on around you, and I am here. And I, I felt strongly about sharing that with you today because... We're talking about Easter, but the world feels out of control, and the people that are listening want something to hang on to. I want something to hang on to, but that that story for me is something I'll never forget. It was God's reminder, hey, I'm here, Hmm. and I'm looking out for you. I know what's important to you, and I have not forgotten you. Pastor Jeff, I think it's a great, uh, great story and a great way, uh, place to pause. Because in the second segment of our time here, I want to get your thoughts on, on you know, culturally we call it Easter. Mm-hmm. Many in the Christian tradition call it Resurrection Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, an important time of year, and I want to know why it's important to mm-hmm. the to the Christian faith. Why it's important to anybody? Sure. And why it matters. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that as well. Um, our Easter Sunday edition of. Uh, uh, our time with Faith and Culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxon, as we close in on that this weekend. Uh, we'll be right back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yen. So we'll return here on Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. Supervisor Steve Christie is up um, after this at the bottom of the hour. So stick around. We'll be right back. The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, 1030 The Voice. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. 
The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenser. We are live in studio with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Logston. And we are uh, speaking about this week uh, on the, on the, in the conversation about Easter Sunday um, coming up, one of the, the biggest days of the year for the Christian faith. And Pastor Jeff, uh, there was um, a journalist who talked about, like we did in the first time, growing up um, in the church. And there was one one Easter Sunday that stood out to him, and he wrote about it this way. He said, That Sunday introduced me to the two Easters that struggle alongside each other. One is linked closely to the celebration of spring and the possibility of new beginnings. It is the show that can be church on Easter. The other deals with the disturbing prospect that God is present with us. His power breaks out and unsettles the world. Hmm. And that got me thinking, so what are we celebrating on Sunday, and why does it matter? Yeah, I don't know if um, I'm sure all of us, many of us, have had that experience of being at a funeral and just wondering where where does this all lead? Uh, the idea, the 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 celebration that is Good Friday, which is which is a weird way of phrasing it, leading into Easter Sunday, is this idea that that God incarnate came as as Jesus in the flesh. Uh, fully man, fully God, but uh, was that representation amongst men of of who God is and that personal relationship? And so as he is walking with humanity and uh, flipping the world on its head, so to speak, doing things differently than maybe we would do them, and I'm constantly astounded by the way that he lived, he told those that follow him, look, I'm not going to be with you forever, but I will come back. And all of that leads up to this weekend, which is his death on the cross. So if you if you have a best friend, if you have a family member, someone that you love dearly and 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 time is precious and then they're no longer with you, uh, you're just uh, like the pits of despair. You know, what is that feeling like for for the person that just lost the most important person in the world to them. But then in that moment, it's as if they forgot all of his words saying, I'm going to come back. 
And so when you read scripture, when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this reminder that as these guys are in the upper room and they're grieving the loss of their, their friend, Jesus, uh, he comes back like he said that he would. He, he overcomes death. And there's the hope for those of us uh, that have um, said yes to following Jesus is that I don't have to be linked to death or despair or the things of this world anymore when I put my trust in him. And that's the journey. And it's not this one of perfection. Uh, but that is what we celebrate on Good Friday, the death on the cross, and then and then Easter Sunday, the resurrection, the empty tomb, that because he overcame death, uh, there will be a time where we are reunited with our creator, with God, with Jesus. And so for me, when I am at funerals and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I've, I've lost someone that I care about, I can be there in that moment and say, but this is not all that there is. There is the hope mm-hmm. of, of eternity and what's to come. Wow. There's a there's another there's another line that stands that 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 I'm thinking about as you say that uh, Christians um, and you're a Christian you're a pastor of a Hope City Church on the 22nd Street corridor mm-hmm. um, and of course Easter Sunday Resurrection Sunday is one of the big days on the calendar we're talking about it today um, at their best Christians at their best are the fools who dare believe in God's power to call dead things to life mm-hmm. and this moment where. Um, there was a death and there was a return and resurrection mm-hmm. is, I think, this ultimate overcoming of death mm-hmm. that is a long-term thing that will happen. Mm-hmm. But it's also, um, I think, for the Christian faith in the near term, today and tomorrow in the short term, uh, is this idea that there is opportunities for renewal right. and reconciliation and repair. Um, and certainly I think this is an inspiration for those in the Christian faith that 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 when we are at our best, we believe and live out this idea that that we are to be uh, pictures day to day of recovery, repair, reconciliation, spiritually, physically, our communities, emotionally. You know, there's the spiritual component. You talked about it. But I think there's also the community impact as well. Well, you, you were, we're talking about death and resurrection in the physical sense and, you know, being able to, to see Jesus resurrect from the grave. But that death and resurrection, that new life happens uh, in those instances where we have experienced suffering. Um, I think of a, a verse in the Old Testament that talks about beauty for ashes. So the suffering that a person has experienced, for me, that suffering has been divorce. That suffering has been bankruptcy, literally, financially. That suffering has been abortion. That suffering has been a myriad of things that I would be ashamed to talk about or ashamed to share. But because I have seen how God has given me beauty from those ashes, so to speak, he's redeemed those things. And through my talking about them. Other people are able to say, I can avert divorce. I can uh, make it through bankruptcy. I can uh, deal with the grief of an abortion and experience healing. It's the healing. It's the beauty that comes from those ashes. Maybe maybe not directly in the loss that I've experienced, but in the telling of that again and how people have gleaned from that and learned how to find hope in their own scenarios. Uh, I used to be a very private person, but I was saying, hey, look, you've had these experiences. Share them freely so that other people don't have to struggle with them. That is a different form of that death to resurrection, I think, that humanity longs for and wonders if it's real. Um, I don't 
I don't sit here with you proclaiming to have all the answers. I have as many questions. But in those instances where I've seen God exchange that beauty for those ashes, those, mm-hmm. those moments of suffering, mm-hmm. I share them freely, hoping and, mm-hmm. and praying that the people around me can experience that same mm-hmm. release and, and restitution, mm-hmm. reconciliation in mm-hmm. their own life. There's a there's a kind of a storyline through you know the the the, the biblical texts for Christians uh, that talk about how um, this ultimate victory over death mm-hmm. will lead to um, a, a final return at the end of times that will usher in a new world right um, and, and that is a world where the lion will will sleep with the lamb mm-hmm. uh, where the plowshares you know the swords will be turned into plowshares. Um, and I think, you know, this is obviously beautiful and it's poetic in a way. But I was talking with my with my parents this week. Of just man, the last two years have been a kick in the teeth. Right. You know, whether it's you know um, race riots, whether it is a pandemic, whether it is what's going on in Ukraine. You know, and I think for Christians especially, but I think for for anyone, I think this is a a point in the calendar where we can say. Uh, in, in a very real way, um, these tears, this pain, this sorrow has been ultimately overcome. Mm-hmm. A- and there's a near-term reality of that. There's certainly a long-term reality of that. And I think the hope of Resurrection Sunday, for me, is going to be something that, you know, sitting in this seat and hashing out these issues every day gets kind of hard. Right. Um, but there's ultimate victory in the end, and there's, an, uh, there's ultimately a better world in the end. In Hebrew, there's a phrase called the tikkun olam, which is the coming of, of heaven to earth. And every now and then you see a glimpse of that where where God is able to use us when we're open to him to bring about heaven to earth, peace on earth. And, and for those listening, my hope is that you'll experience that this weekend through Easter Sunday, through the resurrection. This uh, conversation, Pastor Jeff, with you has been explicitly about the tradition and meaning of, of Easter, Resurrection Sunday, certainly to those in the Christian faith. But it's a time where uh, a lot of people in this country, you know, uh, come together on, on Sunday. And uh, this is a kind of been a rare moment for us in, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the shows that we usually do. Sure. We look at the intersection of faith, culture, church, and community. This one was explicitly uh, about Resurrection Sunday, Easter. Uh, I know you don't come on the show to promote your church, Hope City Church. Right. So uh, this will be a surprise question to you, and I'm going to do it anyway. If someone listening wants to join your church mm-hmm. and be a part of what you guys are doing mm-hmm. on Sunday, well, what's the time? Where can people do that? Yeah, they can find us at uh, HopeCityChurchTucson.com. We'll be doing Easter brunch during – service starting at 9 15 a.m on sunday morning sounds good pastor jeff it's always good to be with you thanks for uh thanks for walking us through this weekend and for just being with us on a regular basis it's uh it's a pleasure thank you um when we return we're going to go to our bottom of the hour news break in just a second but when we return we're going to talk with supervisor steve christie he's sits on the pima county board of supervisors representing district four uh we're going to talk about what happened um, as county leadership transitioned from Chuck Huckleberry uh, to Jan Lesher, it was an interesting week uh, last week after some local journalists uh, asked around about a very interesting contract that closes the Huckleberry period uh, in this county. Many decades of service, and we certainly hope that he uh, returns to normal life uh, healthy and happy. Uh, but it will not be with Pima County, and we'll talk about uh, how that came to be. We'll also talk about the uh, water uh, court uh, conversations, differential water rates in the city and the county. That coming up 
on the other side of our bottom of the hour news break. Lots to go here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We'll be right back here on 1030 The Voice. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM1030, KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Uh, we just said goodbye to Pastor Jeff Lockson, our faith and culture contributor, uh, talking about the uh, the big weekend coming up, certainly in the Christian faith, but I think for the community still at large, that being Easter Sunday uh, or Resurrection Sunday, as some in the Christian faith tradition call it, that's coming up, so we talked about it today. Uh, but in studio with me now is Supervisor Steve Christie, representing District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. And uh, Supervisor, I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> this could be a very boring conversation, but I'm sure we'll figure it we'll out. We'll just have to dig deep. <laughs> we'll have to dig deep. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about uh, was what happened last week. Uh, the Pima County Board of Supervisors met on Tuesday to accept... Uh, the resignation of Chuck Huckleberry, who we continue to hope makes a full and speedy recovery. Um, he sent in a note saying, um, I'm done. And, uh, and uh, of course, Jan Lesher, acting administrator, was on the agenda to accept uh, the, the official position. So that was the agenda, and we knew that was going to be the agenda. And then some local journalism came out that, um, that uh, County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry had been retired uh, for quite a bit of time. And I have so many questions. I don't know how many I get to ask, but Supervisor, I was looking back at a Tucson Weekly article uh, from last year uh, when y'all had to take a look at his contract. And the board went in a closed session 
Um, and uh, the board, here's how Tucson Weekly last year put it. This is on paper. The board also added language to the contract to allow Huckleberry to return as a contractor for the county if he retires. A retirement would allow Huckleberry to begin drawing his retirement pay from the state pension program. The supervisors approved the revisions to the contract. So I think many in the community, Supervisor Christie, are saying, you saw the language, he wrote it, but you saw it, you proved it. Why was everybody so surprised when he took his legal approved double dip? And how did nobody know? Well, for the record, and of course it's omitted in, in most of these um, uh, articles locally, uh, I made a statement that we should not go behind closed doors into executive session to discuss uh, County Administrator Huckleberry's pay plan. Uh, after all, he generated and wrote his own pay plan, uh, presented it to the Board of Supervisors, and put it on the p- a public agenda. So therefore, it seems to me that that kind of a, of a pay plan and that amount of money with those kinds of terms uh, qualify to be co- talked about in public. And my uh, colleagues still wanted to go behind closed doors to discuss it. Last year. Last year. Yes. And this, uh, this whole I- issue uh, w- kind of stuck in my craw because of uh, all of the uh, uh, kind of the hidden things that maybe the public isn't aware of that needed to be. So I said, I'm not going to go into executive session. So at that particular point, I don't know what transpired. I wasn't in a- a- executive session. I remained out of it. But um, I think what the issue is, uh, after looking at the contract, is it does state that um, Mr. Huckleberry can come back Mm -hmm. um, upon retiring as a contractor, uh, kind of a special projects contractor. That's the feeling I always got. Um, And you would think that when you can come back as a contractor that you are, and, and you trigger your retirement clause, uh, and uh, which allows you to come back as a as mm-hmm. a contractor that you're done that you have retired you've stopped working well that certainly was not the case and then I think anyone with any business background who has to deal with these kinds of things as I have over the years if someone co- wants to come back as a contractor uh, you kind of are asked to come back for a special project or a special issue uh, not just a blanket, I'm here, I'm a contractor, and I'm still employed, it, per se, uh, under my contract clause. You need to, you need to say, uh, or the board or the, or the replacement of, the, of, the, of Mr. Huckleberry needs to say, wait a minute, we have a special project for you. We'd like to engage you at, under that clause as a contractor. Well, that was never done. It was just basically uh, it, it triggered. It was put into effect. Uh, no one knew about it, and uh, certainly the the board of supervisors, uh, for whatever reasons, uh, didn't foresee that this could happen because it's really uh, it's not it's not normal. It's out of line I, in my in my experience and in my estimation. Do we know that no one knew? I mean, at this point, no, we don't, and certainly. I mean, there's uh, questions out there. Did Jan Lesher know? That's a very uh, good question. Did Chair a, Bronson know? Do we know if anybody knew? We don't know that, and uh, by the same uh, same token, what about uh, uh, HR and payroll uh, uh, putting these clauses into effect? Who signed off on that, and who knew that Mr. Huckleberry was doing that, and why wasn't that brought before the board? 
uh, and why didn't the board know about it? So there, there are a lot of, of these unanswered questions that are, that are of course, yeah. creating a lot of uncertainty and resentment in the community. Uh, be, you know, the old shady deals and crony, crony business deals and things of this nature that really do nothing but diminish the faith and trust that the community has in elected officials, particularly the Board mm-hmm. of Supervisors. I mean, I, 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 in my in my estimation, I don't get to sit in the seat here, and I don't get to see the things that you get to see. But you know, this is legal to, to on the face of it in the state of Arizona. Um, in this case, you know, uh, uh, um, Administrator Huckleberry was able to retire but maintain the pay plus uh, retirement pay from the state pension program. It's it's uh, it's something that teachers use. I mean, it's used. Oh, I, I was However, on the uh, uh, state transportation board, and there were officials that were working for the for ADOT that uh, had titles like deputy assistant mm-hmm. director and they'd be making presentation mm-hmm. during ADOT board meetings all, all the time and then all of a sudden we get a notice that they retired but the next very next meeting they were back doing the same thing so they had mm-hmm. had done exactly the same thing but yes at least notified so that's where i was going is mm-hmm. is to me is there going to be an investigation again not on the legality but an investigation in to how the second largest county in Arizona had no idea this was happening. To me, it seems like there should be figuring out how in the processes of the county that that nobody knew. And I'm not convinced that nobody knew, but that's not for me to figure out. Well, so. it, it, it appears even, even more quizzically that Mr. Huckleberry signed off on his own contract and that no one countersigned or no one reviewed it, that he made the the uh, move to uh, activate this clause, signed off at it, on it, passed it into payroll and HR, and the next thing we know, we're where we at. Uh, there's a thing called optics, and there's also a thing called protocol. And it would seem to me, uh, in my business experience, it, it would be like my accountant coming in during tax season and looking at uh, employees' and managers' pay plans and unearthing a... Uh, a pay plan for, let's say, my sales manager and my service manager that had been um, put into place without my knowledge or some part of it was activated without my knowledge, uh, I, cer- I certainly wouldn't be happy about that. Right. And the key element here is the fact of the matter is uh, the county administrator works for the board of supervisors. We are... And you work county, for us. Yeah. It, it made, uh, the county administrator... Uh, uh, is uh, our employee? The, there's been a uh, there's been a word thrown around about the the five of you on the dais in the last week, and it makes me chuckle every time I read it. Uh, but it, it's a serious um, it's a ser- I don't want to say accusation, but you've been called the five of you've been called incurious. Uh, the local papers have said um, y'all approved this contract, and you should have been more on the ball to figure out when he had pulled uh, that clause and had moved on. Is that a fair is that a fair way to characterize uh, the Board of Supervisors? Yes, it is, uh, only with one element. And I have the luxury of being able to uh, have the justification in stating that throughout this, I, A, I voted against the contract, and B, I refused to go behind closed doors to negotiate it or to outline it. And um, my colleagues chose to uh, remain uh, behind uh, uh, public doors to do this. Uh, how they came up with with the modifications to his contract, I don't know. Uh, so I do have that luxury, but ultimately the responsibility does lie with the Board of Supervisors. There's no question about that. 
Uh, the you also voted, Supervisor Christie, against the appointment of Jan Lesher from like acting county administrator to official county administrator. You were the only supervisor not to move that forward. Why? Uh, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, one in particular is uh, uh, you talk about incurious. Uh, it's tough to hire someone, or I would think it would be uh, the wrong pathway to follow to hire someone in that position or pe- practically any position without an understanding of what the pay plan is going to be. So we hired uh, Ms. Lesher without any kind of a contract, and I think that's putting the cart before the horse. Second of all, I wasn't voting against Jan Lesher per se. She may very well be the um, the most qualified uh, mm-hmm. person, but she needs to be an applicant, and that's what mm-hmm. I was pressing. And, and unfortunately, it's never mentioned in the uh, in the press here. My whole uh, uh, approach to this was it it was a, a system that needed to be implemented of uh, accepting applications, uh, looking at what's out there. Uh, making vetted judgments on on people who m- might very well be better than than Ms. Lesher, and we're missing an opportunity by not doing that. Um, the my whole uh, uh, feeling on this was we should open up the applications for that position to uh, pub, um, Pima County administrators. Then, if we can't find a candidate out of that pool, we expand it to folks in the Pima County region. If we can't find a candidate out of that pool, we, we do the last thing, which is the worst, I think, is a national search. But certainly, uh, we had an opportunity to see what's out there, what the market will bear. And um, mm-hmm. we don't know. Ms. Lesher may be offered a contract, and she, say, she'll, she could say very easily, no, I won't accept it. Then we're in another quandary, and we should have mm-hmm. done what I was suggesting initially, have an application process, a vetting process, let people apply, and let a... Uh, uh, the Board of Supervisors make the final decision. We're with Supervisor Steve Christie, representative of District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. Uh, uh, we'll go to break on, on that note. I have a completely different topic to talk with you about. But just as a community member, I definitely raised an eyebrow, scratched my head um, at there was so much hubbub leading up to that Tuesday meeting last week because of all the questions you just mentioned. And I watched the meeting. And I watched the hour and change that was spent, you know, on one slide on YouTube in executive session. And I watched when the five of you came back out. Within 10 minutes, County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry's retirement had been accepted and Jan Lester had been appointed as, uh, as County Administrator within 10 minutes. And, and I like, uh, and like you, there's, this is nothing about Jan. I think she's an incredibly qualified person and my interactions with her have been always positive uh the staff thinks the world of her uh but for for all that to happen in 10 minutes and to not have the processes and questions uh, and answers in place uh and this is as a community member supervisor yeah it, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel um it didn't feel right that was due to the uh, uh executive session agenda items that three of my colleagues uh, put on on as an agenda item that dealt specifically with accepting the resignation of Mr. Huckleberry, and two dis- dealt specifically with appointing Jan Lesher as a county administrator. In that posting, it, you cannot veer off of that that subject, so you couldn't have the opportunity 
to talk about all the other questions, all the other issues uh, in in that framework because it was so uh, confined to the agenda items as mm. it stated. So you, you, we didn't have the luxury of doing it, and that's mm. there really wasn't much to talk about because every time we tried to bring something up that you are pointing out to, uh, the county attorney would say, you can't talk about that. But from our standpoint, uh, we don't think this is a done deal as far as finding out certain questions, and we plan uh, on the April 19th meeting to mm. uh, place a, a, an item on the agenda to discuss all things related to Mr. Huckleberry's resignation. That's good to hear. Uh, and again, I think for the full faith uh, and trust. And it gives everybody in, an opportunity in to the system. be candid and, yeah. and to state what their knowledge is and what the, what the framework of the time uh, connections were, yeah. who knew what, when, and right. where. Right. Uh, and I think we owe that to the, the community. I think so too. And I got to tell you, uh, the, the outrage that uh, I'm receiving in my office from emails and letters and phone calls from my constituents, that they're besides themselves that this went on in this manner. Now, it may be perfectly legal. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. there's too much of a question no, of that. No, no. But how it went it's about. It's a process thing. Yeah, the process was the, the optics. Governance thing. And, and, the, and the mirror uh, say, hey, I'm, I'm going to uh, activate my, my uh, con- contractual clause in my contract. That's all it would have taken at that point. Yeah. But it didn't. Supervisor Christie, thanks for. Uh, we went a little bit over on that, but I think it's. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's a governance thing. Uh, it's not legality. It's not about personalities. It's uh, a process and a governance process in an open forum that gives people faith and, and trust. And so. they have. It has to be remembered that the county administrator works for the board of supervisors. Yes, and you work for us. And I work for you. <laughs> and you love being supervisor. I love being supervisor. <laughs> We have one more segment with you, Supervisor uh, Steve. You ruined my uh, ending. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Took that up. Uh, we can do it again. We, it's the nature of radio. We can we can we can repeat at the end of the next segment. Um, the city of Tucson asked the courts at the state level. Let's uh, you know on this whole water rates negotiation thing that Pima County took. Uh, the city of Tucson to court on. Uh, the city said, let's go do arbitration behind closed doors. The court said, no way. We're doing this out in the open. I want to talk to you about that when we come back from our final break of the hour. Supervisor Steve Christie uh, here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Gens. We'll be right back on 1030 The Voice. Check out the podcast at kvoi.com. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. 
Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. This is Bill Buckmaster, Reed Park Zoo Update, coming up at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. Back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona here live with Supervisor Steve Christie representing District 4 on the Pima County Board of Supervisors. Very quick segment here. We took uh, the time we needed, I think, to talk about the big news, which is the transition from County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry to uh, now Jan Lesher uh, and some of the dynamics there. Uh, but Supervisor, the uh, Pima County is taking the city of Tucson to court over differential water rates. In other words, charging different water rates uh, in different parts of the county. The city of Tucson asked the courts to go into uh, arbitration behind closed doors. Uh, the courts said, nope, we're going to have this out in public. Uh, where are we at? Give us the quick update and what that all means. What does the legalese mean? Well, I couldn't tell you what the legalese means, not being a lawyer, but I've dealt with the, the with the legal system enough over my business career. So what what happened was the city of Tucson once again shot itself in the foot because they used arguments uh, about the uh, agreements between Pima County and the city of Tucson over water jurisdictions, water service, sewer service, and uh, these were these were their. Uh, our, uh, these were their arguments, their key arguments initially about the fact that they have the right to uh, charge differential water rates. And the judge looked at their arguments and said, wait a minute, this is the same type of uh, scenario the county is saying why they're suing. So you're using arguments that don't apply in mm. this because they've been in effect Got and it. you just admitted they've been in effect. So. We're not going to do any arbitrating or no negotiating behind closed doors. It's going to be out in the open. And I do have to say, uh, one of my colleagues seems to be siding uh, quite uh, strenuously with the city of Tucson on this against Pima County, even though he is a member of the Board of Supervisors. And he m tried to make the point about how much uh, money the uh, Pima County has expended on this lawsuit, which is somewhere to date, somewhere we were told between seventy-eight and eighty thousand dollars, but he failed to realize that 
when we, when the when Pima County wins this lawsuit, which I am certain it will, we will also be suing for every cent of legal expense that we uh, uh, expended during this lawsuit. So we'll get back our legal fees, and we will win this because it, it's obviously the signals that are coming from the bench are that the arguments being forward by the city of Tucson, pardon the saying, don't hold water. <laughs> uh, that was low-hanging fruit, says <laughs> Supervisor, Supervisor Christie. <laughs> uh, besides any of the signals you've already mentioned, can you go into detail about what are some of the signals you're receiving from the bench? When was this arbitration that, thing? This was, uh, this anything arbitration, else? Nothing at this particular point other than the wheels of justice move slowly, but they are moving, and we're seeing... Uh, the fruits of that labor, and I think this was probably the most significant signal uh, in favor of Pima County to date. Mm, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, to see how this to see how this plays out. Uh, we have about two minutes. Uh, anything else worth mentioning from your point well, of view in Pima County? Yeah, I'm still very concerned over the implementation of voting centers as opposed to getting rid of the local precincts that the uh, county recorder and the elections department are are, um, are trying to install in Pima County, which is really a a wholesale uh, change in the way we vote. Uh, Voting centers, basically, you can go uh, take your ballot and deposit them anywhere in Pima County. And I kind of find this a rather cavalier and slipshod way because it takes away the local control in the precinct level where uh, the precinct uh, workers know the neighbors, they, they know the neighborhood, they know who votes, they know who their neighbors are. And what that does is basically uh, just remo- remove all that. And um, uh, then we have, of course, issues with inter- Internet connectivity. If something happens there, and I'm sure everybody will agree that we have just the best Internet connectivity in Pima County, uh, that's going to be a fiasco. Then we have all of the voter registrations on ebooks that go up in the Internet and clouds and all things. And I'm sure there's no way that that could be hacked or any or broken into. Uh, it, it is a very uh, uh, technologically advanced uh, way of doing things that have been uh, proven to be failures, particularly up in Phoenix. Uh, and uh, as my chief of staff likes to say, we need to go back to the future. Less technology, back to basics to ensure voter integrity. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, to me, as I've listened to both sides of this, you know, there there is, I, I think, a growing consensus that smart technology on some of this will help certainly around things like initiatives or ways to validate people's registration. I think technology can help with that. Uh, the concern that I hear from both Democrats, independents, Republicans is in the near term for this upcoming midterm. Um, does Pima County have enough time to get this system in in place? And I think that's the question oh, that, that, that's that I hear. There's understaffing, and uh, on top of that, uh, you know, um, voter um, ability to have your ballot printed if you don't have it at any of these voting centers. Uh, Rather cavalier. The uh, what's the moment I stole from you? In oh, the, in the second. I don't know if I, we should close I guess on we that. Did, yeah, uh, I do love being supervisor. Thank you, Zach. Uh, I, well, I'm asking genuinely these days. Uh, it just <laughs> seems there's a lot getting thrown at you, and uh, it's a lot happening in your seat. Supervisor Steve Christie, the only Republican uh, represented on the board of supervisors or on the city council. Always good to have your perspective in. Thanks for coming in. And Always great to be with we'll you. We'll do this Thank again you. soon. I can't wait. Thank you. Uh, that's it for us. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Tomorrow, Thursday, we'll talk Tucson's workforce and labor market with Devin Underwood. Friday, 
Dr. Michael Crow from Arizona State University will be with us on the air. That's always a good time. Uh, until then, Tucson, stay safe. Keep us on your dial. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Take care. Thank you.